Mondays, Friday, when we come here with our worship, but it's worship in the hard. It's time to reflect on the hard stuff, the grief, the suffering, the pain. We know Sunday is coming, but today is Friday. So we're going to create that space for us tonight to worship God, even through that stuff, because he wants that as much as our worship on the Sunday. I want to start with a story of way back when, over half my life ago, when I was 19 years old, and at my church, I was in charge of the bulletin board in the fellowship hall. I was a big deal, just saying. And I remember the very first bulletin board I created, standing back and being so proud of the way that it looked. I had put a lot of time into creating it. And I was looking back at this statement that was very simple, but was so profound. Love is a verb. Kind of seems like common sense. But at the time, I just remember thinking, wow, God, this is so cool that you shared this with me, and now I get to share it with the people who come into this fellowship hall. I don't remember how I came to the realization that love was a verb, but I remember it being in the midst of the Easter season, around the time we would have been focusing on the cross, as we find ourselves here doing tonight. We gather here tonight to ponder the cross, to talk about Jesus' crucifixion. The cross was a symbol of the worst kind of death for the worst kind of criminal. Crucifixion caused suffering in the vilest of ways, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Not only was there extreme pain that we can't even start to imagine, but there was humiliation and mocking. And it was a slow death, one that could take days, or if the soldiers had mercy on you, maybe hours, by helping your death along to go quicker. The cross was a symbol of fear used to deter crime. The Romans used it in a way to frighten people into following their law, into staying in line. They would perform these crucifixions in very public places, on side of the road, where civilians and people, passerbys, would go in and out of the town and see people dying. The Romans would leave their corpses there so people would be frightened and be reminded of what would happen if they broke the law. It was a barbaric way of control, a barbaric and cruel way of fear-mongering. I had a conversation not too long ago with a friend of mine, and he believed differently than I did. I was really trying to gauge 
where he was in his faith walk, in his journey. And we were talking about salvation and forgiveness and big picturing the gospel so that I could really try to understand where our differences were. He just couldn't get past. Nor could he believe that this was the only way. That Jesus dying on the cross was the only way God could save his people. I admit, I've struggled with that myself. We have to admit where our doubt is. God can handle our questions. He can handle when we have worries or doubts or we just can't make things work for ourselves. He can handle that. It's good to take it to him and ask and wonder and allow him to come in and speak his truth so the enemy doesn't have a toe. Why did God have to send his son to die? And not only that, but why did God have to give of himself in this way for us? Couldn't he have written the story a different way? He is, after all, God. Couldn't he have changed the rules? But as we all know, he didn't. Sin entered the world through humanity's choices, and something had to be done. As Tom questioned a few weeks ago and said, someone had to pay. So tonight we're met with this question of why. Why would God do this to his son and to himself? And we find the answer in our scripture tonight from Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord tonight. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. May he use it tonight in a way that reveals his deep love and care for us. To answer the question why, we need to first look at the problem. And Paul gives us that problem in verse 6. And I like to interpret it a little bit differently. For while we were still powerless, at the right time Christ died for the wicked. I think when people say weak... It presents a word that says, well, there's still a little bit something left. Even when you're weak, you can muster up enough energy to do what you need to do. But what Paul's talking about is we were powerless. Humanity had absolutely no strength, no way to pay for our sins, to change ourselves, our hearts for good. We were powerless in that truth. Jesus died for all of humanity before humanity ever knew we needed him. When we were so blind to our sins, so blind to our ways, being the wrong ways, that's when Jesus died for us, is in that moment, before we could even comprehend 
that we needed God's goodness in our lives, that we needed his forgiveness before we ever knew how desperately we needed a Savior. And this word wicked, that's a hard word. You don't typically hear that in culture unless they're talking about sorcery or witchcraft or dark arts. But wicked is evil. And sin is evil. All sin is evil because sin is not of God. And so it is wicked. Humanity is wicked. If we struggle to grasp that humanity is wicked, that we are wicked, we will struggle to believe the core of the problem. And if we don't understand the problem, then that will lead us to struggle with the core of the gospel, of the why, of why humanity, of why we so desperately need Jesus. We keep being surprised and shocked when bad things happen. You find yourself going, man, it just keeps getting worse. And worse. How can someone do this? Why does this keep happening? We keep being surprised. I know I do. I ask that question all the time. Evil seems to be running rampant. And I've talked with a lot of people who are wondering, where is God? We're praying, come, Lord Jesus, come. But remember, this is the problem. This is such an important reason for us to dig into God's word, to keep revisiting it so that we can keep reminding ourselves this isn't a problem of just today. We need to be reminded of the harsh world that we live in. Humanity is wicked. We are filled with sin, and the evil one comes at the very core of that sin, attacking us right where we are most vulnerable. Because, friends, we are at war. We are at war. And there's no better time than to talk about that than tonight. Spiritual warfare is happening. The night we talk about Jesus' horrific death on the cross, it's not an easy thing to dwell on. It's not easy to allow ourselves to feel that discomfort, to live in the reality that there is something bigger, something more happening around us and in this world. And that the goal of this war is to win our hearts. The battle is for our hearts, your heart. Not money, not gold, not property. Power. Power over your hearts. This struggle for power has gone on since Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden. 
so we ponder that struggle within ourselves that we have with sin do we see the need for Jesus in the world today do we truly understand the why why Jesus died on the cross and Paul tells us that in verse 8 but God proves his love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us the world is full of definitions of love I see them everywhere nowadays on my Facebook feed and Instagram feed and t-shirts billboards the world is trying to take love and define it for us church but you cannot have a definition of love without God because God is love the very definition of love is in and through him that's why the little bulletin board <laughs> way back when is so important today 21 years later love is a verb the way God's love is defined is through action action had to happen someone had to pay otherwise none of us would have hope the hope that we have looking forward to Sunday None of us could experience freedom. None of us would know real and true love. And it wasn't only the Father giving of his Son to die for us. It was God giving of himself. What made Jesus drink from the cup even though he asked the Father to take it? Love love for you and love for me what kept the king of kings and the lord of lords on that cross while he suffered when he could have called all of the angels to come and save him love what kept him on task when he was met with humiliation and betrayal from those who were closest to him love love for them when they immediately turned their backs away from him Paul emphasizes the goodness of God in verse 7 which is my translation anyone would hardly die for an incredibly good person but maybe a good person might actually think about dying for someone else if there was no other way you feel all the mats and the maybes and the thinks I want us to do something tonight I want you to close your eyes if you're comfortable and I want you to think about someone you might maybe think about dying for I'm gonna assume it's probably your kids or your spouse your family members or a really really dear friend someone you love think about that person 
that you would step out and die for if you had to. And I want you to keep your eyes closed. And now I want you to think about somebody you perceive as being a terrible human being. Not worth the breath they breathe. This could be a political figure. It could be somebody who's hurt you or hurt one of your family members. It could be a murderer. Just think about that person that makes you cringe or makes you shake your head or really upset. Now think about choosing to die for them. And the reason you're dying for them is so they may have a chance at knowing Jesus. Just the opportunity. You can open your eyes if you want. It's profound, isn't it? To think about that. What's really profound is that those people that we thought about in the first example, the people we love, and it's like, oh, in a snap, I would do whatever I had to do for them. Jesus died for them. In the second example of the people we really didn't want to even think about, actually, thank you for that. Those people were exactly who Jesus died for. Why? Because of love. Because of God's love. Love that pours into us through the Holy Spirit that is then meant to be poured out into the world, into exactly those people who make us uncomfortable or angry or make us cringe. God's love calls us to action because he acted for us. He demonstrated through the cross what love looks like. Sacrificial, undeserving, and radical. His love pulls us out of the despair of wickedness into goodness and peace and the ability to receive forgiveness and give forgiveness and mercy. Love isn't just a feeling. Every choice Jesus made every step towards the cross, every breath he had to lift himself up to take while he was dying on the cross, every sin he bore. He did it out of love for each one of us here tonight. You see, the enemy hasn't believed the memo that he's received. The enemy hasn't quite realized the war has already been won for our hearts. I wonder sometimes if we have forgotten as well. We see evil and we see pain and we see hurt and it's easy to avoid it, to scroll past it, to cringe and to judge and to shake it off and move on. But love calls us to action. 
Are we praying for those people who have been hurt, but also for those who have caused the hurt? It hurts just to say that, because deep down I want to believe there is some separation between me and them. I want there to be. I want to say, Lord, come Jesus, Lord, come. But at the same time, I know that's selfish. I know Jesus. I know where I'm going. But there are so many people out there who don't. There are so many people who have been bamboozled by the enemy and believing the lies. That should break our hearts, friends. As we look upon this cross, Jesus died for us, but he also died for them. And that's the hard truth we reflect on tonight. Love is for all humanity, even the worst of us. His love is equal. It's dynamic. It is life-changing. Have you experienced the life-changing love of Jesus? Can you look back and see the old you and rejoice? Because Christ has changed your heart and you believe and know that you are new. Do you believe the good news tonight? Let's hold that space. As we hear the scripture of Jesus' death. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloia, Eloia, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. The tearing of the veil is quite significant for us. The veil was the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies where God dwelled. And only one day a year did the high priest get to enter behind that curtain to make sacrifice and atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus atoned for our sins. He demonstrated the greatest expression of love and in doing so he tore the veil there is no longer
separation between us and God. The cross demonstrates his great love through the payment of sin, but also the gift of his presence at all times. With Jesus' death, all of humanity can have access, full access to God. Tonight we're going to have a response time, a time for us to reflect on God's great love. On what that love done for us, not only holding Christ to the cross, but in tearing the curtain. You're going to come up. You're going to tear a piece of fabric. going to hear the tearing. And you're going to thank God for his great love. And God is going to lay somebody on your heart. Somebody you may not want to be there. And when he does, I want his praying for that person. We thank God for our gift. But we pray for that gift to be shown to someone else. It is too good not to share. And once you're done praying, I want you to come to the cross. And I want you to tie it. Friends, we have full access to God right now. He is here. And we can approach Him fully forgiven fully loved and fully free. Oh, what love. Let's respond to that love tonight. Take your time. We got lots of time. Come as you feel led. Respond.